Blog Talk Radio. Pugilistic linguistics, check out the 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 What's happening, y'all? What's happening? Welcome to the Pugilistic Linguistics Show. I am your host, Michael Foster, the voice of reason in an increasingly unreasonable world. I'd like to first thank you for taking your time out to rejoin me in this revamped, newly plugged in, replugged, whatever you want to call it, uh, show. I've had a, a interesting few months, had to take care of a few things, and I think I'm now back and better than ever. I felt the need to have to come to you all today because of some, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Uh, Before I get deeper, like I've said before, uh, check me out on iTunes, do a search for pugilistic linguistics. All of the older ones will be there and all the new ones from this point forward will be posted for your listening pleasure, I am reactivating the phone lines. If you all would like to dial in this show, next show, whatever, uh, we will be doing these on Sundays, typically Sunday evenings, 7 p.m. Central Time. Today, I decided to come a little earlier just to get get those juices flowing again. The shows are going to be between 30 and 60 minutes. This one will be probably a full 60 just because I've got so much to recap. If you are been, if you have been a listener, you know that we do a uh, segment called Tom Watch, Tom being your president, the tiny orange man. But today is going to really shape up as being one long Tom Watch. A lot going on. So let's begin. As anybody knows me, they know I live in Iowa. And frankly, I actually love it here. Uh, I'm original Chicagoan, uh, been in Iowa for the better part, probably a decade and a half. And for what it is, it's perfect for me. Uh, You know, I get to downshift my life a little bit. I get to exhale a little more than I did. Uh, I just like it. At this point in my life, you know, I don't run the streets anymore. You know, I I don't go to clubs and all that stuff. So, you know, that kind of thing doesn't really intrigue me any longer. But if I really get that wild hair, get it, Chicago's four and a half hours down the road, I go there, I solve my problem, I come back home. But for what I use or what I need Iowa for, it works for me. I've met some really good people here uh, of all races, colors, creeds, orientations, walks of life, whatever. Met some really good people. 
Some I even consider to be friends of mine. And anybody that that knows me knows I don't use that term lightly, friend. People uh, who are pulling in the same direction as me are people that will always get my attention and get my time. Don't care what color you are. It's not that I don't see color. You know, I will never forget I'm a black man. Never. Society won't allow me to forget that. It's not that I don't see color. It's the fact that I go deeper than color. See, you all get it twisted with me and with other people. Color is low-hanging fruit. Color is easy to deal with. Color is what you do or what you wrestle with when you're too easy to get below the surface. So I don't care about your color. I care about how you enrich my life. What you bring to the equation is more important to me than what portion of the planet your ancestors grew up in. How much melanin you have on your thing, in your skin. Uh, How you treat me, how you treat others, how you enrich my life is more important than what your color is. Because frankly, I've met some white people who uh, have my best interests at heart and have, and have shown themselves that way. And even more frankly, I've got some people that are in my shade that have no intentions other than to screw me over. So again, color is lazy. But again, I, I consider some of these people friends. But throughout all this Pollyanna feeling there is undeniably a seething undercurrent of bigotry here it is not specific to this place I just speak of here because I live here I'm sure it is everywhere Uh, but there's a seething undercurrent of bigotry been really prevalent within the last, I say, 10 years or so. And it's become more vocal as we progressed to current day. It's borderline frightening, to be honest with you. But there is a section of this country. And when I say bigotry, I ain't just talking about color either. I'm talking about color, orientation, uh, religion, uh, anything outside of the generally accepted American ideal. But it's, it's borderline frightening. Because That undercurrent 
which isn't that deeply buried, mind you, it does rest pretty close to the surface. But that undercurrent leads to things, events, conversations that don't typically build. They typically destroy. Scary. Because in this country today, building should be the main focus of how we do our thing. There are far see the thing about it and and and, and you know we're gonna go to Trump eventually. Uh I've long said that Trump and all of his bluster and all of his whatever the hell he does was just the recipient of a standing hatred of progress. Now, what I mean by progress, I mean when people that are typically not of the proletariat, the typical downtrodden, the typical ones who are looked over and passed over, when they begin to get a measure of equality, a measure of growth, a measure of something, the people that have historically been in charge feel like they're losing something. And the subsequent hatred begins. How many times have you heard, you know, and I mean, there's no way around this, the, the typical average white man, maybe not average, but the ones that skew more right than the rest of us, we're losing the country. Uh, take back our country. Uh, you know, how, how often do you hear the sentence uh, in one way or the other? That's the seething undercurrent I'm speaking of. Again, Trump is the recipient of something that had already been there. He is He was savvy enough as a candidate to throw caution to the wind and hitch his wagons to that movement, that feeling, that white male alienation. He hitched his wagon to that and fed into it to the point to where he rode this to the White House. The deal is his ascension to the highest office in the land built on the back 
of a bigoted, racist, xenophobic, misogynistic platform, they rolled to the White House on that. So now they feel emboldened. I see this all the time in Iowa. It's that slick shit that people say to people of color, thinking we don't catch it. You're so well-spoken. I'm an educated man. Of course I'm well-spoken. Can I touch your hair? Can I rub your hair? No, don't touch me. I'm not a sideshow exhibit. It's not a petting zoo. Slick shit. The problem with that, and again, I'm speaking from the black perspective. I am positive my brothers, my Native American brothers and sisters, my uh, Hispanic brothers and sisters, I'm sure they have their own examples of that slick shit. And let me explain also to you, I'm not speaking of all white people. I'm speaking to the ones that fit this category. The thing about this, that undercurrent that rolled to the White House is in, and now is emboldened by that ascension is beginning to manifest itself America's streets. Charlottesville being the most recent example is just the one that's making the news. But there are so many other ones that happen on a day-to-day basis on a smaller scale, true enough, and maybe not even as violent, but just as impactful to the targets. The thing about it, so, so let's, since I've led to Charlottesville, let's speak to Charlottesville. Charlottesville is a microcosm of what America is in the 21st century, 2017 more specifically. Charlottesville is what America is. I've seen so many articles about did Barack Obama, uh, is Barack Obama America's president or uh, is Donald Trump truly America, whatever. I've long said that Barack Obama does not represent America because he represented what America wanted to be. Donald Trump represents what America is. To that end, Barack Obama was not a representative of this country because this country fooled itself into thinking that his election made everything post-racial. Dig that guy in Tampa St. Pete, the, the, the mayoral candidate who said Barack Obama was our uh, reparations. And, and think about those, those white folk who fit into that category. Y'all love to say, if you don't like this country, leave. Y'all love that. No. If you don't like the way we talk about it, you leave. 
if you don't like the, what we say, if you don't like the fact that we can't stand to be marginalized any longer and beaten and killed in the streets and run over by Dodge Challengers or whatever, if you don't like that, then you leave. Because I submit to you there are way more of us than there are of you. You leave. I have some very good close associates, close, uh, uh, some of them are friends, actually, who legitimately say and mean, I don't see color. That may be entirely true. But the thing about it is, color blindness will not get us out of this place that we currently find 2017 America in. Black folk, people of color, Native Americans, Hispanics, whoever else, Jamaicans, Dominicans, uh, whatever. We can protest that the cows come home. But we can't fix this. Like my man said, we can't fix this. We begin to fix and begin to quell and dispel that undercurrent of seething bigotry with you, white person, shaming the people that you know harbor these things. You play golf with these folk. You play cribbage and bridge these folk you send your kids to their slumber parties and sleepovers and you, you your kids play soccer you are the ones if you're truly interested in equality for everyone you are the ones that need to speak up to the people who are in your circle Far too often, you pick friendship over freedom. And I get on some level, I get it, because I'm speaking to your freedom. Mr. Smith says on drug and continue to live your life unencumbered by how he feels. Far too often, you let Uncle Joe spout whatever he wants to spout at Thanksgiving dinner because you just know how he is. But then you'll come to me and say, I don't see color. You may not see color, but you see color attacked. And you say nothing. Silence in the face of oppression implies tacit agreement. You say silence in the face of oppression. That's agreement. Whether you intend it to be or not, that's agreement. On some level, the person doing the oppressing, the oppressor on some level, you not saying something to them or checking them or letting it slide, 
you are saying to them that you are complicit in what in you. Does that make you a bad person? I don't think so. I do. Does it make you a bad person? Because not necessarily would make you a bad person by not seeing something coming in my face out this house and worry about someone who feels the same as the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists in Charlotte, because that's what they're terrorists. No, they don't come from the Middle East. They they come from down home, Mississippi. They cover uh, 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 family laden Ohio or Iowa or wherever they come from. Those are terrorists. Call them what they are. Stop this mealy mouth, uh, uh, hair splitting. They're terrorists. And you allow them to reside in their terror. If you're really interested in me being on the same level as you, maybe not financially, maybe not well, socially, we're on the same level. If you're truly interested in that, you cannot allow Bigotry to be normalized. Because that is what the crisis is about. The normalization of racism, neo-Nazism, white terrorism. Happened to that. Wrote it to the White House. And I submit to you that anybody that tapped into that would have written into the White House. The rise of what they call the alt-right, that white terrorism, the rise of that is an evil opposite reaction to Barack Obama's very existence. It has nothing to do with his politics, has nothing to do with his office, it has everything to do with the public Negro having the nerve of the United States. What you're seeing is the equal opposite reaction to that. It's time to start calling spades spades. It's time to take the gloves off and stop allowing people to let us these folks are in pictures in Charlottesville right now. I posted them on my page. We need to start sharing this. Because when Black Lives Matter was protesting last year, two years ago, every one of their faces were plastered all over your page. If those were, if, if those were uh, Muslims in Charlottesville, Virginia, with tiki torches and all that, they had to call a National Guard on them. They would have enlisted Kim Jong-un and just blow up the entire uh, city center. 
the fact that that went on for the better part of 36 hours without National Guard intervention is the definition of white privilege. White privilege meaning you can do something that I can't. And don't come at me with that, uh, uh, well, you looting your right. I don't have to do it. I just show up. Fifteen, let, let 15, 40-year-old black men show up in the city center and see what happens. Here, we could be pushing strollers, and we'll have cops surrounding us. It's time, to, it's time out for the bullshit. It's time out. If you're really interested, as you say to me in my face, about equality for all, it's time for you to put the rubber on the race. Like Phil Jackson told Tony Kukoc back in the night, it's time for you to shit and get off the pot. Strap. Because times are getting too real these days. Shit is getting too thick these days for you to stand at the sidelines and try to play both ends against the middle. It's time to get uncomfortable. It's time for you to get out of your comfort zone and stop trying to play your racist, bigoted golf buddy versus the guy you have laughing a joke with at the bowling alley on Thursdays or Fridays or Tuesdays or whatever. You can't play them both. You can't straddle that fence any longer. It's time for you to tell Uncle Joe, look here, dude, I don't get down like that. That ain't right, and you know better than that by now. And be willing to tell Uncle Joe to go piss off if he continues, if you're interested in equality for all. If you're interested. Now, I know what you're going to say next to me. Well, what about black folk and what black folk do to black folk? You know what? Let us worry about that. Let me worry about that. Let me worry about Jamal shooting uh, 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 Derek. Let me worry about that. Because Jamal ain't shooting Philip. Let me worry about that. Let us worry about that. Control what you can control. Control the folks that are in your circle that are not interested. We have a Nazi element in the White House. Distinct. This isn't some innuendo what I'm thinking this is what's happening. This isn't something that I guess is going. This is a distinct Nazi element in the White House. Steve Bannon. Stephen Miller. Folksman dude. That dude frightens me. And the killer about it is your elect officials are too chicken shit to say something. They let it ride. Why? Because he can get them in office again. 
we've got to start this cleansing, and I use that word intentionally, somewhere. We have to start it. We can no longer sit back. And allow this to progress because what we're seeing now in Charlottesville, and I believe in a couple of months, or I'm not really sure when, but uh, in Texas Station, Texas A&M, College Station, that's what it's called, Texas A&M, they're having a White Lives Matter rally in a few weeks. Don't tell me that. This isn't the inevitable result of action. David Duke, avowed Klan leader, uh, I think he was like a Senate candidate in Louisiana. He said out of his mouth, the Charlottesville riot, that's what they are. When a dude dodge runs over 20 of our people for protest, it's a riot now. Charlottesville riot is... And I want to get this right. He said it was Trump promises coming past or something like that. As if to say this is the next natural step. It's time out for you to stand on the sidelines. I'm talking to my white friends. I'm talking to my white brothers and sisters right now. It's time out for you all to stand on the sidelines, straddle the fence, and try to keep your friendships over freedom. Because I'm telling you, you may think that this is an issue that does not touch you. This issue will touch you in ways you are not anticipating. A karmaic convergence. Standing on sidelines and standing idly by and allowing and watching other people be oppressed and mistreated in a country that you say you love so much that will come back and visit you in ways that you will not anticipate. But beyond that, what are you so afraid of? Because you want to get complete 100 with immigrants. This is what kills me about this whole argument. Our country, our, this ain't your damn country. You ain't from here. You may have been born here, but your bloodline didn't originate here. And with all due respect to my Native American brothers and sisters, this is the only way I can get this analogy out. Unless your last name is running tall trees or, you know, uh, whatever, unless your bloodline is Sioux or Creole or Ute or Seminole or Illini or whatever, you ain't from here. Unless that is your heritage, your ass came over on a boat, or your folks came over on the boat, or their folks' folks came over on a boat, or a plane, or a train, or an automobile, whatever, climbed over a fence. Who the hell cares? You ain't from here. 
Your ass just visiting like my ass is. It's time out, but it's garbage. You've got an unhinged chief executive that's got out crazy everybody on the planet. And you put the problem because you couldn't steal Hillary Clinton. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I'm not even saying you should have voted for Hillary. What I'm saying is you shouldn't have put that at that idiot in office. And has done nothing but kick up chaos and confusion since January 20th. He hasn't told you the truth yet. And you keep riding with him. I had a conversation with a guy today. He's a Trump supporter, but he said he doesn't get down with whatever. But here's the deal. He said he doesn't think he's racist or whatever, but here's the deal. You may not be racist when you vote for Donald Trump or voted for Donald Trump. You may not be. I'm not going to cast everyone with that broad brush. But what I am going to say is you looked at that man and decided that racism, xenophobia, and misogynism Misogyny, I should say. I knew, I knew this word didn't sound right. Misogyny were not deal breakers. That in and of itself makes me look at you differently. You may not be racist or be, uh, you may not ascribe to racism or anything like that. But the fact that you can look at all that and give it a pass clues me a bit into your character. Because if I Michael Foster walked around with you and did the shit that came out of his. This isn't even from the quote unquote left that there is. This is stuff that he has said out of his mouth. Unfiltered, unspun, straight from his mouth. He said out of his mouth on tape that he sometimes drops in on the pageant contestants in the various stages of undress. Teenagers. He said that. This is not innuendo. He said that. He actually said on tape about him trying to cheat on his third wife after cheating on his first one and his second one. And all he had to do was grab him by the pussy and they let him. He said that. If I hung around you and I said that, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to either co-sign with it because you feel the same way, or you're going to say, dude, man, what's up with you? And if I continue, eventually you ain't going to hang with me. Oh, man, I can't mess with you, dude. You, you on some next, you on some other stuff. Yet that guy was worthy of your vote. There's a war coming on. There's a war coming. And it's not what you're thinking. It's not black versus white. You all need to stop it. That's not how this thing is going to shake out. I said it, one of the first things I said, black versus white is lazy. That is what you pick when you're too lazy to get below the surface. So on the outside, you see it's just black versus white, black book versus white. It is not going to get out of the way. It's too 
The war that's brewing is the us versus them truly interested equality all that versus them. The question becomes, who is them? What side of the them fence are you going to reside? And what I mean by that is, the us is simple. There, you can call us liberals because we're not all liberals. So that's another thing. That's a lazy term too. Uh, but you can call us what you want to call us, but the, the us side is really easy to pick out. The them side, those are the ones that hide in the shadows. Come out every four years when it's time to vote for somebody. Uh, the ones that are now vocal and bold now. Those teachers, those doctors, those lawyers, those uh, pedi- pediatricians, those whatevers. That's the them. The war is going to be between us and them. It is not black and white. The question I have for you, what side of the fence you're going to be on? Because you can't straddle. Either you're with us or you're against us. This is about brotherhood. Malcolm X said, I believe in the brotherhood of all men, but I don't believe in wasting brotherhood on anyone who doesn't want to practice it with me. Brotherhood is a two-way street. It ain't me and then, you know, half-ass in it. If you're interested in in building, breaking bread with me, building, getting to the bottom of things, and building something substantial, I'll ride with you 100%. I don't give a damn what color you are. I don't give a damn your background. I don't give a damn your financial status. I don't give a damn your sexual orientation. I don't give a damn what you used to do. I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn. If you want to sit down and build a brotherhood with me, to make my child's life better after I'm gone and for me to make your child's life better after you gone, then me and you will ride to the world blow up. And then what we do is we build that brotherhood and then you bring other folk into the movement that is interested in the same thing. And I say brotherhood, ladies, you know, sisterhood goes with that too. So don't trip. Then you bring somebody that's interested in brotherhood, so on, so on, and so on. That's how we begin to start this thing. You cannot forge a brotherhood of men and women by being afraid to tell your doctor, that was a fucked up joke you told. I don't get down like that. And I'd appreciate it if you didn't. Speak like that around me and mine. That's building a brotherhood. And now you instantly know at that point, that person has a decision to make. How much do they value you? Because right there, open their mouth, you know what they're all about. But you got to speak on it, though. You can't just giggle and be embarrassed 
and, and then leave, hop in your car and call somebody and say something about it. No. I do it to this day. I got some black friends that that speak about white folks. No, man. Uh, don't get down. We can't we can't we can't complain that they do it to us and then we turn around and do it to them. Right is right. Now that may put us at a disadvantage in the short term to deal with that on my personal level. But we can't. We can't. No, bruh. No, nah, don't do that. I've said that many times. No, nah, bro, don't do that. To a person that doesn't deserve it. No. Nah, I don't get down like that. Man. To a person that doesn't deserve it. So what am I saying through all this? What I'm saying is we have sat idly by and allowed a to this point undercurrent of American society to take over and become a preeminent movement solely by not saying anything. Our numbers are so great that we wash them out if we wanted to. But again, you've got to get uncomfortable. You can't keep sending them over to Dr. So-and-so's house when you know that's how Dr. So-and-so feels. You can't keep sending your kids over there to play. You can't keep playing bridge and cribbage with them and all this crap. You can't keep playing golf with them if you know that's how gets down if you don't get down also. Now, if you all are kin spirits, hey, fine, there's two of y'all we put on the exterminated list. Fine. But if you truly don't get down like that, and you truly don't feel that's the right way, it's time for you to open your mouth And stop sitting idly by. It's time to get uncomfortable. Because what's going to end up happening, we're going to get more Charlottesvilles. We're going to get more of these inner city, not inner city, but these town city squares or whatever. We're going to get more of this conflagration to where people are going to die. We're going to get more of that. We're going to get more of the take America back and make America great again and all this crap. And the little I have remaining, I'm willing to submit to you, America has never been great. America is the greatest on the planet, but that's by default. But America has truly never lived up to her potential because she treats a segment of her, of her population worse than anybody else. The measure of a great society is how they treat their weakest people. I believe Gandhi said that. I'm not really sure. But that's the measure of a society, 
How do you treat your weakest? So I'm willing to submit to you, well, we've already figured this out by now, but Make America Great Again is just veiled code for Make America White Again. You know it, I know it. Because throughout history, America's greatness has been in question. Look at her practices. Forget what I say. Fine, I'm going to inflame with that statement, but I don't truly care because where's the lie? Look it up. Look it up objectively. How did America treat the Native Americans? There's a reason why they're called Native Americans. You can't discover a place that people already live in. That's like me walking in your house and discovering your living room. You're already there. How the hell am I going to discover something and you live there? Christopher Columbus was lost. Straight up. He was lost. Bumped into a landmass and quote unquote discovered it for Spain. Hell out of here. Look at history. Look at your grand emancipator, Abraham Lincoln. That dude wasn't that great. That dude was a mealy mouth politician, too, trying to cut deals to avoid a war that ultimately happened anyway. Look, Cor- look up the Corwin Amendment. That dude wasn't that great. You free slaves in states that were actively in combat or conflict. There wasn't no conflict in the north. The conflict was in the south that had already seceded. So he had no power anyway. Look at the Democrats through the 30s, 40s, and 50s, even into the 60s. They were horrible. Do your history. Dixiecrats, George Wallace, do your knowledge. Look through history. America has not fulfilled her promise. Do you realize America has been in conflict with somebody for about 90% of the time that she was a country? In conflict with somebody. We beefing with somebody. I think the percentage was 90. It might even be 95. We always beefing with somebody. Now we beefing with ourselves. We got a president that's trying to fight three wars now. Do your knowledge. America great again has nothing to do with making America great. So, I think I said a lot. I got some other time. Fire this joker up on the day. Who knows? Once again, come check me out on iTunes, 
download the old uh, the other uh, shows. This one will be out there, matter of moments. For right now, I think I'm going to take my ball and go home. Again, I might fire this up a little bit later on for part two of this or maybe a brand new topic. It depends on how the spirit hits me. But in the meantime, as I say to you all, all the time passing, take care of yourselves because you all you got. Peace. Check out the